We are so blessed tonight to have a, a guest speaker with us. Brother and Sister Beardsley are here, and we just welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. They are Metro missionaries to Chicago, and we're just happy that they're here. They're going to share their burden and tell us a little bit about themselves. But would you put your hands together right now as he comes and welcome them to Life Church? It is good to be here tonight. You know, I felt bad when they dismissed all the young people. I thought I should go with them. It's true. I think it was about a month ago, I was reading the, the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I found out that I'm not young anymore. It was a bad, bad moment. You know, you look in the mirror and you can see evidence that you're aging. But in my mind, I'm still young. I can still you know, leap giant buildings in a single bound. But I was reading Acts chapter 2, and it talked about the young men shall see visions, the old men shall dream dreams. And just on a whim, I decided I would just look what that phrase young men meant in the original language, and it said under 40, and I'm 48. I was so disappointed so I think I'm supposed to dream more. I really thought we had a bright future ahead of me. I didn't realize that was on the downhill side. But anyway, that's another story. But I am so glad to be here in Pasadena, California. Today was the first time I have ever in my life breathed California air. I drove in from Arizona. And I just want you to know the temperature began to drop the closer I got to to Pasadena. I was talking on the phone to my daughter and son-in-law, and, and I was telling them, hey, it's, it's, it's 90 degrees now. It's not 111 anymore. You know, I don't know if it gets to 111 around here much. Maybe tomorrow it'll be there again. I don't know, but it, it was hot when we left Phoenix. So anyway, I was so glad to get here, and my wife was too. And uh if, you th if you're trying to figure out who I am, I am Joe Beardsley. My wife and I, we are Metro Missionaries. I know that was introduced. We were introduced that way. We are church planners, and uh, we have been working in the Chicago metro area for, since 2003, and we have been blessed. The Lord has graciously allowed us to be involved in church planning. We started the first church in 2003, and we, since that time, we have started a total of four churches. It is our goal to start at least 20 more. I say at least because I've got a goal. I talked to Brother Scott Sistrunk from Detroit, and he said 100 churches he had a goal for. And I thought, 100? My wife thought I was trying to kill her when I said we're, gonna, we're aiming at 20 more. So ever since I talked to him, I started thinking at least 20. <laughs> but I know our world needs apostolic churches. And I don't need to convince you of that. It is so good to be here in an apostolic church here in Pasadena, California. What a beautiful facility. And your pastor is such a kind person. The hospitality has been great. And I appreciate all of those kind things that have been done to us and um, are given to us. And we are, my wife and I, we have been bivocational in church planting and I'm a barber by trade, so I've spent a lot of time in the barber shop. So if I tell a joke and you don't get it, it's because it's a corny joke. Somebody told me that the other day. My jokes were corny. 
And then they told me, that's a compliment. So I don't know who they're hanging around with, and I don't know what it means in their part of the country, but where I came from, a corny joke just wasn't funny. So, anyway. If you think I told a joke, you laugh. We'll get along better. But, uh, anyway. (laughs) After planting four churches, the Lord began to deal with me very strongly about the, the tremendous need that we have in the Chicago suburbs. We have, we're not as large as some, some cities, but 9.9 million people in the metropolitan area of Chicago. We have about 30 churches, and we need a lot more. We have a church for about every 300,000 people. And I can't imagine one church being able to reach 300,000 people. And we have that multiplied Ten times, so we are here seeking support from other apostolic people to a monthly commitment to help us go back and full time plant churches. I figure I've got twenty good years left. I'm forty eight, and I'm thinking by the time I'm sixty eight, I might, I might actually, you know, my body, my mind might catch up with my body or slow down to where my body's at. You know, I don't jump as high as I used to, but. Um, Anyway, we are excited about the future and what God can do. I know God can use an 80-year-old Moses. I'm only saying it because some of y'all are looking at me like I'm old. I really am not old. I really am not. You know, I don't think I look old either. So if you think I do, don't say anything to me. Just keep it to yourself. But uh, anyway, I appreciate tonight, appreciate my wife being with me. And, you know, one of the, the blessings of apostolic people is that, you know, they, they can help you when, when you need help, you know. I know when, um, I don't know how many of you know Brother Jack Yons. He has passed on to his reward about a year and a half ago around Christmas time. And I remember when we first went to the Chicago area in 2003, he, he was a, a near neighbor of ours, pastoring about 40 minutes away from us. And he just reached out to us and became great friends. And, and he was instrumental in, in causing us to reconsider what we were doing. You know, I would plant a barbershop in a, church, in, in a city, and then we would grow church out of that. So church was kind of in our spare time. And... So he told me, he said, Brother Beardsley, he called me up and he said, you need to be in the program. See, back in the early 90s, Brother Jack Yons, he was the head of the home missions department. And it was through his, largely to his efforts, the Metro Missions program was designed. And really what it, it, it aims at is metropolitan areas of North America. Because 80% of our population, and I'm not telling people who don't know, talking to one person earlier before service and we were talking about you know you talk to smart people and it makes you feel dumb at least it does for me you know I'm thinking I'm trying to think of something smart to say not smart Alec you know I mean there's a difference between a wise being a wise person and a wise guy and so I know as as if I talk to somebody who's really intelligent it makes me feel less intelligent and I'm thinking it's kind of like a real talented musician and singer you just want to never pick up the instrument again don't give me the microphone. <laughs> so Brother Jans, in the uh, early part of the 90s, they developed a program 
to focus, in, in, instead of just sending foreign missionaries, fully funded missionaries to Africa or Europe or South America or some distant place across the, the ocean, they decided that we are not effectively reaching the metropolitan areas of North America. Only 20% of our churches are in the metropolitan areas, but 80% of our population is there. So there's a tremendous need. And so as a result of that, the program was developed. And so he called me and he was saying, you need to be in the program. I guess after we started the second church, he figured we were a glutton for punishment or we had calluses on us. I don't know what he was thinking, but he said, you need to be in the program. And so we are. And I appreciate his influence in our life. And so that, that is what we're uh, doing and expect to do it the rest of our lives. And I, I count it a tremendous honor. And you'll find out before I get done tonight, one of the major themes in my life is reaching the lost. I don't believe there's anything greater that we can do. Obviously, we need to be saved. But the focus of Jesus Christ, when he came, his mission wasn't to go around and pat people on the head and say, good job, you've been a good boy. It wasn't like that, but it was challenging people to move beyond just a place of stagnancy and, and causing them to, to challenge just the status quo, moving into areas of life and touching lives, changing lives. In fact, it says like this, he says he, he didn't come to judge, he came to save the world. That's why he came. If you look at Matthew, the first chapter, in verse 21, it says, Now shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so I believe it is absolutely critical for every one of us to get a burden for lost people. I, I believe that. So before I'm done, you'll really believe that I believe that, I think. <laughs> anyway, I want you to meet my wife. I want her to stand and greet all of you. I appreciate her. She has been, I, I will say this, she is my favorite person in the whole world. I like all of y'all, but... She's my favorite. She is. I, I told her that one day, and I think our daughter was nearby, and she says, shh, you might hurt her feelings. I said, it's the truth. You are my favorite person. I love my kids, but you know what? I didn't cry when they moved out. <laughs> if my wife moved out, my world would fall apart. I would be a basket case. I wouldn't be smiling anymore. So I love my wife. I appreciate her so much. I want her to stand and greet all of you in the name of Jesus. Sister Beardsley.
Amen. All right, so before I go any further, does anybody know what time you normally get out of here? You might not like my jokes, but I sure don't want you to be mad at me. Eight <laughs> fifteen or eight twenty? So I've got ten minutes. <laughs> Now, I have been known to talk a long time, but I, you know, tonight I have a, a, an extremely large topic. In fact, I came up with an amazing title. I don't know if the multimedia guy thought it was, or the coordinator thought it was. I thought it was great. My title tonight is Sheep, Shepherds, and Saints. Sheep, shepherds, and saints. And I want to turn your attention to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to read verses 7 and 8. And you probably have no clue what I'm going to talk about for the next 10 minutes. All right. I actually might have 30. This is good. You know, one of the, the, the challenges that we have is, you know, after you bring a powerful title like that, and, and then this powerful word grips your heart. Probably want to pray all night. But I'll quit at 20 after. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll try to calm down. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Whereof, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I want to just, tonight, if I can effectively share the thought that I feel that I need to tonight, I believe it could transform your world. I really do. You know, it was several years ago. In fact, I was 28. So you can do the math quickly. It was 20 years ago. I remember I was having this conversation, and I was not a minister of the gospel. In fact, I was a very shy person. I was afraid to, it, it was a very, very scary thing for me to talk in front of more than two people. And so, anyway, you could tell either I'm lying or there's been a transformation in my life. All right, well, I'm not lying. So, anyway, I remember I was having this conversation with some family members. It was an uncle and an aunt of mine. And I was talking about this person in our church. And this person just drove me crazy. I mean, it was insane. It was the worship leader. And the worship leader was, it was he was a bad man. I was a barber in the town. And so I knew all the stories that were going around. And, and, and I, I thought, you know what? It is not right that this person should be leading worship in our church. Because I knew they needed to pray hard. Okay, now, now I'm just telling you from my perspective. Maybe none of it was true, 
But in my mind, it was absolutely true. Everything I heard was absolute, okay? And so as I was considering the situation, I remember I made this statement. I said, you know what's really crazy? A preacher should give their entire life to God. There's nothing else that should even come into consideration. When they start thinking about, you know, uh, I, I can't reprimand this person in the church. I can't discipline this. You know, put it in the context. I mean, the song leader is crazy out of control, and the pastor isn't getting that into control. And I'm thinking, he shouldn't worry about tithing. He shouldn't worry about talent. He shouldn't worry about anything. As the preacher, his whole life is dedicated to God. Well, I, I, had a, I had a couple of days for that. It was my own mouth that said that. And for the next two days, I remember thinking about this. And, and, and finally, I got to the place in my, in my thought processes. The Lord was able to, to kind of change it. And I don't know anything about your song, Lee. They did a great job, by the way. <laughs> they look like fine, upstanding citizens, Christians of the first order. But I remember... I got to this place in my mind that, that the Lord began to turn my words back on me. And what it came to in my mind, the, 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 the point of focus when I realized I was in trouble was when the Lord let me know I paid the same price for the preacher as I did you. I mean, I paid the same price. So what makes you think that you... Don't owe as much in return. Because, see, I thought that I could compartmentalize my life with God. And it wasn't like I had this, you know, this uh, thought process and I thought this is the way. It was just like I understood it to be that way. You know, you, as a saint, you could, you could live a certain way. And you, as long as you gave your tithe and, and your offerings and, and your, you, you came to church like you're supposed to. And you weren't off doing something else when church service was going on at home. I mean... As long as you were faithful in all these things, you still could pick where you lived. You could pick what job you had. You could choose your future. Everything about life was yours, except for you had to, you know, commit certain times to God. And it wasn't until that moment in my life when God began to show me that I had not given him all of me. It absolutely changed my paradigm that's the biggest word i'm going to use tonight <laughs> i'm sure all you smart people know what it means i probably was talking to a smart person and heard it and i thought hmm, i don't know what it means but hey how do you spell that write that down for me sounded good i don't know if i impressed you with it but i was impressed i, I remembered it but my whole life the way i thought about my relationship with God and, and, and the way I was serving God, all of it changed. And so tonight I believe that it's possible because I grew up in an apostolic culture. So I'm sharing a little bit about me because I believe that when we look at, well, let me just say it like this. I know, I know, there's no doubt about it. There are prevailing things in, within uh, apostolic culture. And, and part of that is, is that the preacher is in one spot and the sheep are in another. The shepherd is one place and the sheep are in another. But, but I'm here to tell you that no matter what your role is in the kingdom of God, you have responsibilities. 
you, there is something put on you because you have the Holy Ghost. The pastor is not going to be in your world touching the people that you touch. He's not going to be your mouthpiece to the people at work. He's not going to be in your family and, and dealing with situations that you are going to deal with. I want you to know that tonight God gave you the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and just in case I forget what time it is, I better tell you really the purpose here. The purpose here is that if as a saint, and the, the text that I, I read tonight, as Paul talks about, and, and he was an apostle. Not only an apostle, he also talked about being the chiefest of sinners, and he talked about being the least of the saints, and, and all of these things kind of puts a, a level field on all of this. It makes us realize that there are no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible says it like this. When, when you're talking about John the Baptist, Jesus, speaking of him, says, born of woman, there was none greater than John the Baptist. But he that is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Now, I know in Illinois, it's easy to, to feel like there's a whole lot of opposition. And in fact, at times, the opposition seems to be so intimidating that you feel like you're not going to be able to accomplish a whole lot. You feel like Moses, you know, when he said, Lord, you got the wrong guy. I would sure like to see my kinfolk released from Egypt. I'm tired of the telegrams coming and saying, he beat me again last night, and I did the best I could. He's like, oh, somebody needs to get rid of them people that are beating on my family. But he was thinking, now, I'm not the guy. And yet God chose Moses at 80 years old to go back and speak words to Pharaoh. That in, I mean, think about really how challenging it is for Moses to go and stand before Pharaoh and do, he wasn't doing anything supernatural. He was opening his mouth and speaking the words that God put in his mouth. Something simple like, let my people go. You know, God was going to do all the freeing. God was going to part the Red Sea. God was going to change the water into blood. God was going to do all the supernatural stuff, but he needed somebody that believed enough that they were going to step out of their comfort zone and say, God, you can use me. I'm not so intimidated by the opposition that I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. So I'm just saying, I, I, I feel like Moses a lot of times. In fact, I look at what... 20 churches, we didn't, my wife and I, we're, we're, we weren't born church planners. I mean, in the sense of, you know, we didn't grow up in, around church planning. So we, we decided, I felt the call of God, and I, we were looking at, I wanted to go out into some town of 5,000 people, you know, way out in the country, nothing nearby, just some rivers and some woods so I can fish and hunt. And as a barber, I could set up a, a barber shop in that town of 5,000. And, you know, they would, they would make sure that I was able to afford my fishing license and, and bullets for my gun, you know, if I was going to go hunting. And I would know everybody in town. I'd get my mind wrapped around that. But God began to deal with me about Chicago. 9.9 .9 million people. And I'm thinking, put up. I'm just a country boy. You got the wrong guy. 
And I remember thinking about it, and it just didn't make sense. Like, how is that going to happen? And besides that, I'm shy. You guys forgot I was shy, right? So did I. But I was, all right? So I began, we, we, we ended up going to the suburbs of Chicago. We started a church in 2003. And what was crazy about this, I had never pastored before. I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I still don't, okay? Just so you can just, we'll get past that point. Now you know. So there we are. We started this church. First week, we move into town, and we don't know anybody there. And so we're driving down the main street, and I told my wife, I said, this feels weird. We don't know anybody here. I said, remember how this feels because it's not going to last. I'd already gotten over being shy. It wasn't going to last. It didn't. So somebody called me up that first week that we moved to town, and they're like, I want to I know what time church service is. What, what's the address? You know, well, I had put it on the Internet that we were starting a church. Excuse me, not starting a church, but there was a church there. It was in faith. We had this all set up on the internet and they had moved to town and they were wanting to know where's church and what time is it? And I'm like, meet me down at the buffet. So we met down at the buffet and you know what? I got them eating food and I'm like, hey, we're starting Wednesday night. You come to my house and we're going to have Bible study. So we started right in my house. And I didn't know what we were doing, but we, we did it. We started Bible studies right in the house and started having services. After four months... Those people told me and said, Pastor, we're moving out of town and we need help moving. Can you help us leave? And I'm like, what? It was my son, my daughter, my wife, and me, and then this family. And I had to help them leave. I'm like, there's something really wrong with that. (laughs) And so I helped them move, and we're back down to four people. And so I remember I was thinking, man, this is tough. Didn't know what to do, so I'm just praying. And I had been given some contact information. Uh, some people that were backslidden and they were living close by. Next suburb over. So I remember I was praying. And I had called them before and told them, you need to come. This is going to be an amazing church. Now, I didn't think of calling it Life Church. But that would have been a great name. In fact, maybe we'll name one of those churches. One of the 20. We'll call it Life Church. I like that. I mean, that's, that's far enough away. Y'all wouldn't sue us for <laughs> trademark infringement or whatever you call that. I mean, come on. So I remember I was praying. I'm like, Lord, how are we going to reach these people? And I'm praying because they had promised they would come and they never did show up. And so while I'm praying, it was a Wednesday night, and I'm praying really hard, God, help me reach these people. What is it going to take to get them to come? And we're down to four. I mean, you get down to four people. If it's just you at church, I promise you're thinking about outreach. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. You know it's true. I mean, somebody was thinking about outreach for prayer meeting. <laughs> He's like, somebody go, anybody come. <laughs> Bring your dog. We'll count them. <laughs> so while I'm praying, I'm like, God, and I'm just praying earnestly for this family that had been backslid, and I'd never met them before, just talked to them on the phone. And while I'm praying, I feel the Holy Ghost tell me, go to their house. I'm thinking, Lord, I was still a little shy. And so I'm like, Lord, what is it going to take to reach these people? I act like I didn't hear him. <laughs> well, he says it again. 
go to their house. So I'm like, Lord, we got to reach them. I'm willing to do anything. God, help me reach them. And then the third time is like, go to their house. I, I don't remember how he said it. I know when Paul was on the road to, to Damascus, God spoke in Hebrew. He was speaking English to me. So it was real clear. I understood what he was saying. So I got up and I got the information and got in my car and I thought, I'm like, wait a second. I don't know where the street is. Church starts in an hour and a half and I was thinking about, you know, how am I going? I don't have time to do this. But I thought, God, I don't have GPS in 2003. I'm just telling you. I've got one now. And it's a real bossy woman. Everybody gets in the car with me like, man, shut up. <laughs> I'm not saying they were, anyway, we'll leave that alone. <clears throat> so I'm sitting in my car. I'm like, God, if that was you that told me to go, lead me to the house. I still have 10 minutes. Just for those who are watching the watch. I know, but I want to give them a little hope. <laughs> I didn't exaggerate. I underestimated. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm like, God, if that was you, lead me to the house, you know, and I'm, I don't have time to look this up. So I get in my car and I just start driving toward that where I know the city limit sign is for that suburbs. And I, I come in and as I'm driving, I'm thinking, how am I going to know? Uh, how, how will I know when to slow, when to go, when to turn? I don't know, you know, so I come up to this four-way stop sign, and, I, and when I approach it, I come to a stop, and I feel like I need to turn right. I mean, it's just like, I, 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 it's clear. It's like the right side of my head is getting heavy, like turn, it's leaning over. I mean, I'm just like wanting to turn, and I'm like, I'm doing that. That's me. So I, I went straight. I get about halfway through the intersection, and I feel the Holy Ghost, like, you will never get there if you don't listen. So I got turned around. I got back on the street that I felt like the Lord was telling me to turn on. I go one block, and there was a street I was looking for. I'm just going to tell you, I was excited. I mean, I was like, yeah, woo, God took me there. He was really talking. I mean, you, I know you weren't there. It's hard for you to get excited about that, but I was excited. I mean, I was real excited. Well, our church, four people. Two weeks later, we had 31. Uh, 31 people. The church was full of people that needed God. I mean, we started, it, it was the craziest thing. We, in the song service, people were coming up. God was refilling people with the Holy Ghost. It had been backslid for 20 years. I mean, God did a miraculous thing. Our church began to grow. After three years, we were running 90-something. So we went to go start, my wife and I, we went to go start another church, and, and my brother, he assumed the pastorate there, and he continued to pastor. After the, at the 10-year anniversary of the, of, the, of the church, there in that first church plant, my brother called me up, and he says, hey, do you want to come and preach the 10-year anniversary service? And I'm like, yes, sir. So I went back to preach the 10-year anniversary service. And after the service, guy whose house I went to on that day when the Lord was directing me. That was my God positioning system, GPS. Just, I thought it was clever. But anyway, 
So he says, you want to get something to eat, Pastor? I'm like, yes, I'd love to. So we go. We're sitting at the restaurant. And he says, do you remember the day that you came to my house? And I'm like, I remember that day. He said, that day my wife called me while I was at work, and she told me, she says, you know that preacher keeps calling us and trying to get us to come to his church? She says, I don't want to go. He's pestering us. I don't want to go. He said, I told her, if he shows up on the doorstep, you know God sent him. He said, 45 minutes later, you rang the doorbell. I'm telling you, God is in the saving people business. You know, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. I'm just telling you. Is there room to run the aisles today? <laughs> I still do have 10 minutes. But whether you feel like, hey, I'm a saint, I come in the back door, I sit on the back, back pew, and I, you know what? I just love church. I love the when they sing, and I raise my hand when they sing, even sometimes before they ask. I mean, man, I'm a good saint. I'm saying, what is a saint? What is a saint? It's every one of us. You know, when God began to deal with me about my situation, how I was, I hate to use this word because you're going to feel like I'm saying it to you. I'm, I'm pointing at me, okay? Joe Beardsley, you're a hypocrite. That's what God was telling me. He wasn't saying it so much with, with words that he said. He used my words. And when the gravity of where I was and what I had compartmentalized in my life, I really hadn't let God have my whole life. I really hadn't. We sang some beautiful songs tonight. I give myself away so you can use, but only on Sunday. <laughs> only on Tuesday night. Oh yeah, sometimes on music practice nights. And I might even come on prayer meeting once a month. That's good enough. My prayers are so powerful, they last 30 days. <laughs> Instead of saying, God, here's my life. It doesn't matter what role you have for me. I mean, think about it. If we're all the same body, the Bible says we are fitly framed together. We are the body of Christ. There ought to be such unity that it doesn't matter who's leading the songs or who's doing what part. It's just like, man, I'm glad to be moving. I mean, come on, come on. If we're the body of Christ, he ought to be doing some great things. You know what I mean? He, there ought to be some amazing things happening, and it ought to be happening in my part of the world because Jesus Christ lives in me. The power of the Holy Ghost in my life ought to transform everything I touch. Really ought to. So I have a lot of stories. I gotta, I'm going to tell you one more story, and then I'm going to wrap up with this one, this passage that's going to make you want to fall on your face and cry. All right, y'all ready for this? Yeah. I can see some of you are really excited about this. He said he's almost done. That was one of my jokes. One of the better ones, though. You know, I'm a, I told you I'm a barber. I, I tell jokes for a living. But anyway. 
We started a second church. Okay, I know. He's like, he doesn't make much money. <laughs> anyway, y'all bear with me. I'm almost done. I really am. And so I've got eight minutes. And so, I don't know, maybe that clock's fast. We'll pretend like it is. So we started a second church, and I've got, I started a barbershop, and we didn't have anybody coming on, Sunday, on the Wednesday night for sure, you know. And so I called my wife. We were commuting 45 minutes. You know what? You don't count it in miles. Only country folk do that. You know, how far you live? 20 miles. No, it's like 20 minutes, 45 minutes. I mean, everything's 20 minutes. You can walk around a block. It's 20 minutes. And so anyway, we started this church or started the barbershop, and then we were trying to get the church started. And so I called my wife, and I told her, I said, I'm just going to pray at the barbershop tonight, and then you just pray at the house, and then I'll be home later. Well, it was a Wednesday. I, I closed the barbershop down, and I got in the back of the barbershop, and I just started praying. By the way, I've got an amazing barbershop, five of them, actually. I've got over 20 family members, and they run them all. They own them all. They didn't give me much money for them. That's why I'm broke. <laughs> Alms. <laughs> anyway, so, so anyway, I'm, in the, I'm praying. I'm like, God, help me reach this city. Lord, I need, I need you to, to connect me with people here that are hurting, that are, that are hungry, people who are receptive to the gospel, people who want to serve you. And, and I'm praying passionately. I mean, really seriously praying. And so after I prayed for a while, I got up, man, I'm cleaning the best I can. I'm just, I need to clean X's and everything that day. And so I go out and get in my car, and I thought, I'm going to go find some of those people I was praying for. I don't know anybody in my town except those that came and got haircuts. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go find some. And so I decided I was going to go down to Pizza Hut and, and see if there were any sinners down there. So I go down to Pizza Hut, and I walk in the front door, and there's a guy by the front desk, and, and he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, I give him a card, and I'm like, I want to invite you to church down at my barber shop. And I thought, he's like, this dude is messed up. <laughs> I said, I just started a barber shop, and we're starting a church, and I'm using the barber shop space for the church. I said, you ought to come. It's going to be awesome. He looked at the card that said Pentecostal on it, and he's like, no way. He said, when I was little, he said, my parents took me to a Pentecostal church. And he said, there, he said, there was a guy in there, fell on the floor and just started shaking. He said, it scared me so bad. He said, I ran out the back door and I never went back. I said, well, I'm going to tell you, I think I might have met that guy. I said, there are crazy people at the Pentecostal church. I know they are. I'm looking at some. <laughs> we got any crazy people here? I still have five minutes. I do. I've got five minutes. All right. So I say, there's crazy people that go to the Pentecost church. I've met them. I said, but there's crazy people go to the Baptist church. There's some crazy people go to the Catholic church. I said, and there's crazy people that come to Pizza Hut. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't self-identify. I was just telling him. And I said, but, I said, you need to come to church. I promise you, it's real. You need to come. He said, no way. He said, but, he said, my dad's Pentecostal, and he's not going to church anywhere. He said, I'll give him the card. I'm like, yeah, woo, we struck gold. And 
California, I mean, Chicago. And so, anyway, so I go to sit down, and I'm looking for victims. I mean, I am on a mission. And so the only two possible victims there were these two women sitting in the booth. There wasn't anybody else in there. So as I went by, I said, hello. <laughs> and I'm going to sit down, and one of them says, I think he's drunk. <laughs> so I was, all I was doing, I was just trying to make a wave and just see how we could write it. You know, so I'm like, I'm not drunk. And I was still close enough they could see my eyeballs, and I'd been praying really hard. So the one says, his eyes are red. I think he's high. I'm like, I am not high. And they're like, look how he's acting. So it wasn't working. So I just, I just sat there. I didn't know what else to do. So I just left it alone. I just minded my own business for once in my life. I sat there for a while. That was a joke. And so anyway... David comes around the corner. He says, hey, my dad's out here to pick me up from work. He said, you want to meet him? I said, yes. So I go out. I meet his dad. His dad, his mom, and his other brother all come to the barbershop. Mom and dad both pray back through to the Holy Ghost, and his brother gets the Holy Ghost, gets baptized in Jesus' name. It was a few weeks later. Guess who came to church? That's right, David. That's right, the guy who said, no way. I'm telling you, God knows the heart of people. He knows the heart of people. But there are times when God needs somebody to say, you know what, I might be a sheep, I might be a saint, I might be a sheep. God, I need to reach somebody. And God is looking for people who are willing to get out of their comfort zone and act a little crazy sometimes and go on a mission. Every one of us are called to it. In fact, in closing, that's not a joke. Yeah, I really am closing. The Lord began to deal with me about this passage. This is back in December. I was asleep, and I was waking up in the morning. And as I'm waking up, I'm having this dream. And in my dream, I'm trying to remember what John chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3 say. And, and I'm, just, oh, I'm just like stretching my brain, and I'm... And I never memorized it before in my life. So I don't know. I was thinking, what does it say? I know what John 14 says. I know. It's, I know the setting. But I can't. I, I have no idea. So when I finally, finally wake up, all I can think of is John chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. So I grab my Bible, and I, I'm, just, I'm really wanting to know what it says, like you guys are. So I read it. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. And as I looked at that, I thought, man, I have, I know I've been reaching for people, you know, and this ties so, so well with Mark chapter 4 when he talks about the four kinds of soil. The fourth kind, the only good soil that produced anything, it, the, the, the least productive soil produced 30-fold, then 60-fold was the next 
product, and then a hundredfold. And I'm thinking, God, I know. I, I've, I have gotten crazy sometimes, and, and people got baptized as a result. I, I mean, I'm sitting in the barbershop, and I asked a guy, I said, have you ever been baptized? He's like, I've never met him before. And he's like, no, but I want to be. You know, that guy's involved in apostolic ministry today. Oh, yes. He, I'm telling you, God has done amazing things. We baptized him. We got the Holy Ghost. I want to produce a hundredfold. But I'm just saying today, it doesn't matter who you are. Sheep, shepherd, saint. You, you pick the label. Every branch that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So I'm challenging all of us tonight, including myself. I don't want one day to go by that I miss an opportunity. People are the most amazing creation that God ever made. And one soul is worth more than this entire world. He paid the same price for you as he did the most amazing preacher you've ever heard in your life. The most amazing person in the world that you look at and look up to, he paid the same price for you. He has expectations out of every one of us. If we could stand, I'm going to, I went over by 30 seconds. I believe God has the ability to use anybody to win the lost. The Holy Ghost he put in me, in you, is the same Holy Ghost the apostles had. And you know what he said to them? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto... He was talking to the apostles. The apostles, we would consider them shepherds, the most amazing people in the Bible... And yet he said, you're going to be witnesses unto me. If the apostles had that responsibility, I promise you I've got it. You have it. Tomorrow, tonight, just imagine what the Holy Ghost in you, if you would allow the Holy Ghost to touch your neighbor, touch your family, what he could do in their life. He didn't save you for you not to reach out to somebody. I've said this before. My wife probably gets tired of hearing me say it. She never heard me preach this sermon before. She never heard that fancy title. I've been saving it up for a long time. Saving it for California. But if God did not have a purpose in your life, or if he didn't intend for you to reach somebody, he would have saved you for last. There's going to be a last person saved. I promise you, it's not you. So that means I'm supposed to bring somebody with me. That's what was said tonight, and I just want to reaffirm that. Thank you so much for allowing us to be with you tonight. Let's win the loss. Let's, let's, I mean, come on, 30-fold. If you, if you produce 30, 30, you're going to need some room. If one person brought 30 people here, it's going to change the atmosphere in this place. And I know you guys are probably all soul winners. You probably just got in church last week. Praise God. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you.